I'm recording now. Sweet. Okay. Good thing we have these extra um, uh, extra phone pads. Yeah, they've come in handy. I know. For the purpose that they're not designed for. Mike, I just put these on. You sound super sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I just put my microphone on, or my headphones just on. Just to clarify and, um, for the listeners, when he yeah. said they he put something on, it was the headphones yeah. and not something else. <laughs> I don't know what else it could be, but... <laughs> When you say that I sound sexy and you say you put something, something on, on, yeah, could, I just it could wanna, give the wrong. The I want to make sure that people's mm-hmm. mental images are in the in the right space. Yeah, we got to think we're on radio. We're not. It's not. We're yeah. We're like person. on radio. It's like old school radio. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Mike. Uh, so today, uh, we're going to talk about the three principles of brand strategy, kind of like leadership. Yep, leadership, which is different from strategy, because leadership is like knowing the good way, the the good route to go. It's not just taking a strategy and being like, all right, you know, like we're um, like an evil dictator or something like that. (laughs) It's like leadership. It's how do we earn this? How do we go the right way? How do we capture the moral law? And how do we um, take everybody with us? Strategy being part of what makes leadership effective. Yep. But leadership is different. Yep. So any comments on that before we talk about I think the it's the topic right you've been wanting to talk about for a while now, which is sunburn <laughs> stories. Okay. So it's, um, let's this talk about sunburns <laughs> podcast is going to air in July. Mm. Um, and so, uh, we're going to talk about, it's going to be summer. It's already over hundreds. You know, we've had how many over a hundred days, Mike? Uh, too many. And it's supposed to be one seventeen on Monday. Yeah. We're going to almost, almost hit the one twenty mark next week. That in June. That's when you know it's it's hot. And you know the rest of the country, like August is, or at least in Oregon where we're from, yep. August was the hottest month. Yep. July here yeah, is it's the that, hottest month. It's that like June to July, those like three weeks in there that kind of overlap mm-hmm. right around basically centered on July 4th. It's just brutally hot and there's no humidity and there's no saving grace. It's just... It's <laughs> there's just, nothing to say about it. It's a dry heat, but once you get over... It's a dry it, heat, and, <laughs> but... But it's like oven dry. It's yeah. like crank that thing to 400 and stick your head in it. And then like leave it closed for a long time and then open it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pulling the lid off my grill just without the great <sighs> smell. Like just the just the heat can melt off your eyebrows. You don't even have to have flame. No, just the heat. So what is, Mike, your worst sunburn ever? So, yeah, I've got a bad one. Um, <laughs> second degree. <clears throat> I got second degree burns on my face. My wife and I both did. We went snowshoeing in Colorado oh, at 11,000 feet. The snow will do that all the time because it gets up in here. In May. So it's like late snow. It's super bright and sunny out. And we were foolish, very <sighs> foolish. And we did not put sunscreen on our faces. Yeah. And we were out for maybe an hour. And on the ride back from where we were hiking, we both started to kind of feel warm. And we're like, oh, we probably got a little burned, you know? Right. And by the time, like, it took us like 45 minutes to get back to where we were staying. And by the time we got back, I mean, just beat red. And that was, um, so our entire face beat red. Uh, within, I think, a day, it was blistering. Our oh. entire faces were blistering. <laughs> we went to the doctor that week after we got back from Colorado because it was like really painful. And he was like, yeah, you guys have second degree burns in some places. Dang. And you should not go, you should not let the sun touch your face for a couple months. 
Oh, a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. He was like, without sunscreen, you know, like you, you need to wear hats and you need to put sunscreen on, no matter what you're doing. Wow. Um, and it peeled twice. That was how bad it was. Dang. Yeah. There was. I remember. I went to church the week after, so we'd been back for a whole week, and it had already peeled once. And I had people at church ask me if I'd gotten a really bad sunburn the day before. Wow. Yeah. Because it peeled, exposing more redness. Second sunburn. Yeah, the second sunburn. Oh, dude. <laughs> it was bad. Amazing. It was bad. It's like wow. I probably should have skin cancer at some point in my life on my face. Dude. So my my wife just reminded me because she's on here. Hi, Shana. <laughs> so um, do not let your five-year-old apply sunscreen on your back and then spend four hours in the Arizona sun. <laughs> Uh, I, I had the privilege of, yeah, yeah that's so awesome. <laughs> I wish you could see Mike's face right now. He's loving this. Um, so, uh, so I, um, had to apply the, the, the after sunscreen stuff or the after sunburn stuff. And yep. it's just like this odd shape of sunburn. Cause yeah. she just had like splotches <laughs> of, oh man. Yeah. Um, Ryan doesn't have a good work ethic when it comes to, he'll leave a job half done. Sunscreen you know. application is not his For, future career path at least he hasn't developed that as a five-year-old okay as a competency so yeah um mine was um <clears throat> so mine was so when i was a resident volunteer firefighter so i lived at the fire station okay. and there's this thing you do in um you do that here in the salt river too i think but um on the umqua river in roseburg you float the river and so very popular thing to do a bunch of rapids and stuff there's a place called sunburn alley and the reason it's called that. <laughs> Is because you go through all the all the rapids and everything, and you know it's fun, you know, doing all your stuff, and then Sunburn Alley, and it's just still. Oh, you just like so everyone just kind of sits floating. there. You're floating, but you're floating slowly. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> I'm like, oh, I'll just you know put my legs down in the water and stuff, and I got back um, to the fire station, and my legs had, and just think about like the mass yep. that your legs are, you know. And I had sunburn, just some, the worst sunburn I've ever had all up and down my legs. And so, because you're laying back in an inner tube for the mm. most of the way, yeah. it was the worst. And that lasted like probably five or six days of just like slathering that yep. aloe stuff all over. And so it was gross. So um, that was my worst sunburn story. Although I had some sunburns in the snow too. And they get all up and under your neck because it's like they reflect. It just reflects the, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, all those places that you're like, oh, I'm uh, those are shaded places. Yeah, they're not shaded anymore. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, so, um, Mike, um, l let me uh, let's introduce you. Um, uh, how do we do this? We've never done this before. <laughs> yeah, we got to work. What's on your this part. thing, Mike? What's your thing? So, uh, I, I lead a brand agency called Resound. And a lot of our work is based on a philosophy that I have, my business partners, and I think everyone in our company has, which is that we believe that every organization really can be remarkable. Um, not that every organization is. And for some, there might be much bigger hurdles to jump over um, than others. But we do believe that everyone can be remarkable. Mm. And it's, it's my mission with our business and everything I do, like this podcast yes. and anything else that I involve myself in is – how can I help as many people as possible find their remarkableness? And that remarkableness is ultimately in their brand, right? Um, is it remarkableness, though, or is it remarkability? 
Hmm. I, so I I'm working. I'm working on this. I actually just I'm asking. I don't I know. I just finished writing the rough draft of a blog post that identifies what I think are the five must-have attributes of a remarkable brand. And will we be able to find that on LinkedIn? Uh, you will eventually. Uh, it's not ready to. I'll probably publish it within the next month. And I think we should. You and I should probably turn that into a a, a discussion. Righteous. Because I might not be right. My five might not be the right five. Maybe there's more. Maybe there's less. But, so. you know, it's the journey. Yep. You know, and it's the discussion. Yep. That makes it, you it's know. the process. So, it is the process. And um, what's your quote? What's so my your... quote is from Vern Harnish, author of Scaling Up. He's also the founder of the Gazelles and EO, which um, Gazelles is a consulting organization for businesses on how to build a, a scalable business. Um EO is an organization of entrepreneurs. Um, But his quote from his book, I just thought this was just so simple and yet so good. He said, nothing interesting can come out of your brain that you don't put in first. And I love that because in some sense, our brains are empty vessels until we put stuff in. Mm. And what what we get out of our brains, out of our mouths, out of our hands, out of our brands, Ooh, connection can only come from what we've put in. Right. So if we feed ourselves well, our bodies react and they go, hey, we're happy you gave me good nutritious food. Our brains do the exact same thing. If you feed your brain with great content, mm. if you feed it with great ideas, you're more likely to get great ideas coming out. You know, I feel like, I feel like, I'm struggling to apply that because sometimes it's easy to want to read something that will tell you, what do I do today right now? You know, you're trying to like, you're trying to do something in a hurry. But when I crack open, like, um, like an older book, like a classic, you know, text, you know, and then I try to struggle through that a little bit in the morning that I'm a deeper person, Hmm. you know? And it's like, it's, I feel like you're right. I feel like that's kind of feeding me in a better way, you know? And I feel like it applies to branding too. I mean, What are we doing within our organizations that's supporting a real sophistication rather than just, you know, you know, hey, how do we make money faster? <laughs> you know, yep. it's like, how do we, instead of the speed, say, hey, let's do the right thing. And I think that that gives you, you know, reading, you know, taking in good things, you know, the whole garbage in, garbage out in reverse. And then, um, and then it can, can kind of temper that that, 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 that tendency, you know, to trust in only short term, you know, things, because that's why people become thieves, short term gains, you know, (laughs) it's like, it's a shortcut. Yeah. It's a shortcut. And it's a feedback loop, right? The more you do that and the more you feed yourself with shortcuts, the more Mm. apt you are to chase shortcuts. There must be a uh, psychophysiological, like neurological thing that like pathways that that we create by, by doing that, which, you know, habits. Yep. That's how habits are created. So, <clears throat> ask me. Oh, ask Chris. Me what my, yeah. Chris, what, what's your thing? What do, you, what do you do and what do you believe in? Yeah, well, I, I'm just going to tell you what I believe in. Yeah. You know, so, so I mean, I, I do my own consulting, but um, I believe in teaching, uh, servant leadership, and relationships. And it's kind of funny because I'm in advertising, but um, I taught at the University of Oregon for a few years and um, really felt um, that, that it's about making other people better. And my wife even told me the other day, I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I really am a teacher. And she's like, ah. she's like rolling her eyes. She's like, come on, Chris, I tell you that. I've told you that all the time. I tell you that all the time. I'm like, why are you frustrated? She's like, Chris, I've told you that for years, you know? So anyway, it's just, it, it's fun. It's just what I love to do. I like to see people get stronger. 
Well, let's see brands get stronger. So I got, got me into process. And, and so, and so, um, but my quote, <clears throat> quote is strategic thinking and the actions taken to follow through on it requires an appetite for risk. Strategy calls for focus and the trade-offs that inherently fo follow, but many managers decide they would rather play it safe. And this is a quote from a book called Deep Dive by a guy named Richard Horwath. And uh, the reason I, I, I actually use this book to, um, to teach strategists at the University of Oregon, because I didn't want to use an advertising book, because I felt like then they would just kind of get the whole echo chamber deal, yep. you know? And plus, all this stuff that we talk, when we talk about strategy, creative strategy, it's all just strategy. It's been, been being done for years. And we're not new, and we're not, you know, oh, isn't this wonderful? And yeah, it is wonderful, but it's old. It's been around forever. And so if we're... You know, I feel like we're humble enough to just like read again, read those classic texts and learn from um, perspectives that we don't have, you know, um, historically from cultures that even Western culture, you know, like England, ancient England um, or medieval England or whatever, you know, it, it's still it's a different way of looking at things, a different culture. You're not just going to get that same, yeah. um, you know, and so very pure. So so that's my quote. That's um, awesome. And uh, if you if you're interested, um, you know we are going to post these podcasts, and we'd love for you guys to um, talk about any of these quotes. If you disagree or say amen, you know, or anything like that, um, post it in Facebook right now. Um, you can post it into uh, uh, Instagram if if you are talking if you're on Mike's <laughs> thing right now. And then when this comes out, post it in the Facebook um, Facebook um, post that it'll be a part of uh, <clears throat> community conversations. Yeah, so I'm excited about this part. What did we do yesterday? What did we post yesterday? So you posted in Facebook, and you asked a good question. What did you ask, Chris? I can't remember exactly what you asked. but Basically, I was saying, hey, everybody, um, we're trying to figure out what Arizona's brand is. It's going to be an ongoing process forever, probably. But um, what do you think the strengths and weaknesses are um, of Arizona? And we got some really good answers. Yeah, we did. Um do you want to take the first crack or do you want me to, uh, you we don't have it. to go in order. Um, so the, uh, so, so, so one of the things that we heard in conversation is not necessarily just in that Facebook conversation, but um, one guy said, it's like being on vacation all the time. Hmm. And this was during the winter time. I heard this. It was, over, <laughs> it was not something recent, but it was just something I wanted to throw in there. Cause I felt like it was like, yes. oh, this is cool. You know, <clears throat> what else we got? Um, we've got also someone, and this is related to being on vacation all the time. Um, Philip Ian from Salted Earth said, plus screwed snow. Yeah. He made a big case. He was like, <laughs> he was like, <laughs> made this big case about Arizona. Arizona's good. Um, you know what it's good for. And then he was just like, plus <laughs> as a bonus, we all hate snow. So not everybody hates snow. It's just people from like snowy places, but yep. Um, I, Which I'm, is a I'm common like, comment I hear. Yeah, I'm like screw rain. Yeah, because I'm from Oregon. Yep. So the PNW. Yeah. So um, and then and then we're also interested in um, more conversations coming off of things like this. This is really just the first time we've done this, and so we got some really good comments, but some of them we just need to develop more. And um, but just to keep it simple this time, you even have like people like Tuft and Needle. Yep. Um, you know, coming back from Silicon Valley. And I read a whole article on why they came back, which is um, just a bunch of little tidbits of interestingness that kind of came together to make it worth, you know, them coming back. Most of it was 
a lot of it was like money. But what I really liked what they talked about is like the money, the fact that they could get um, so much for so little now allowed them to take money and put it into their employees and and build team and build culture, yep. which is really what a lot of what this leadership yep. conversations about. So as we go, we're going to dig a lot deeper. <clears throat> I'm going to make a comment about that. Please. Profitability is not a bad thing. It actually can empower you to, to chase your, your brand values better. Mm, amen. Right? You can chase profitability at the cost of your brand values, or you can use profitability to empower your brand values. And looking for cost savings is not a bad thing. Right. It, it's not some, it's, it, it's a tool. And you can use it for good or you can use it for evil. Mm -hmm. um, you can use it to, at the detriment of your company in the long term by sacrificing your employees and your, your customers and your quality, right? Or you can use it to empower those people and those things to work even better for your brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they're, they're <clears throat> when I, I, was in a, I was in a school that had a very different point of view on economics <laughs> than <laughs> me. And um, one of the things that was brought up a lot was, um, was oh, well, the, 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 um, <clears throat> the, the, the power is in the hands of the, of the people who own the production, you know, the means of production yep. kind of thing. <clears throat> I thought it was really interesting because I thought, because, you know, they would, they would say, well, it's a trade of power, right? Are there, no, they would say that the employee is at the mercy of the employer. And I, th I thought about it more like a negotiation, you know, in a market. And, um, <clears throat> and so, you know, I started, I started realizing that, you know, this is really about, you know, the, the power doesn't lie necessarily anywhere in, in a free market. The power lies where you create the value. And so if you're, if you create value, you now have trust. You can sell that trust or you can continue to build that trust with every transaction. And at first I was like, oh, you build, you build trust so that you can sell it. Hmm. Then I realized, no, you build trust so that you can sell things. And every time you sell something, you're you build building more, more trust. trust. Yeah. And so it was yep. cool evolution, you know, yep. as I was going through school. And um, so I love, I love that, <clears throat> that point of view. Um, saving money is, is awesome. It depends on leadership to know yep. when to say, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to go to these lengths to save money when it ends up disrespecting the culture that you've created and ruin the reason people like working for you and would gladly overlook many accidents that, you know, mistakes that you, small mistakes that you make because they know your heart. Well, if they start knowing your heart's ugly, they're going to stop looking. They're going to stop overlooking these little things, and they're going to become petty. Yep. And I think that's why when you look at doctors, the malpractice. I read this somewhere, right? It's not like probably statistical. I read somewhere that um, that that doctors uh, who who get sued a lot, they're, they're just jerks. They have mm -hmm. bad bedside manner, and then people who other people can make more mistakes, but they just don't get sued. Yep. Because they're nice because they show respect and people yep. don't feel like they're as victimized, you know? Yep. They feel like there's a good kind of heart behind things. Yep. Forgiveness is a lot easier if you already trust that person. Yeah, heck yeah. You know, if yep. you feel like they're about the right things. Yep. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I love that. So thanks to everyone, um, you know, in the who's who has responded uh, and, and building the conversation. We want to take it deeper with, you know, every, every month, uh, every time we do this. So, um, all right. So, so we're talking about, um, leadership principle of leadership. Um, so let's talk about, oops, I got disconnected. <laughs> so, um, got booted ending live video. I'm gonna have to start again. So, uh, but, um, 
I don't want to here do this again. So can can you introduce us into why wh why do they matter? So why why do principles of leadership matter? Yeah. So I think the first place to start is is why leadership, right? Why not just take a business plan off the shelf and run with it? Uh, why do the people at the top um, who are at the forefront of the business, why do they matter? Um, and why does their act of leadership matter? Um, and I think that really is kind of answered within itself, you know, that if you, <laughs> you don't have leadership, how do you know where you're going? How do you rally the troops? How do you stay focused? And how do you keep things moving in the right direction? And, and how do you even know that you're in the right direction, right? Right. Um, someone or some group of people or some distribution of leadership has to be in place in order for that to happen. Right. There has to be someone, there has to be a leadership structure that um, they can point to the point to a worthy cause, kind of a worthy goal yep. that's bigger than anybody else. You know, and they use the word goal loosely because really we're not talking about goal. Goal is usually like a, a lot of people use that as like a year long kind of, kind of thing, but just kind of like a mission vision values. Yep. And then um, like the values, how we're going to do it, you know, yep. all this stuff. <clears throat> yeah. So um, my, my question then is, you know, why does it matter? What, what do brands look like, Mike, when they have no leadership? What are some signs that uh, companies are having difficulty, you know, with um, in that area? Well, I think you, you nailed something in a comment you just said a, a couple seconds ago, which is without leadership, you don't have clear vision, mm. right? So maybe one sign of a lack of leadership within a brand is a lack of clear vision for that brand, right? Mm, yeah. So it could be that it's just not stated. Um, so there's a communication issue with leadership. Mm. It could also be that there, there just isn't anything. Um, I remember working for a company um, and there was a joke that we had inside the company, which was uh, me and another guy were in charge of estimating all the projects that came through. And we would joke with each other about, so what, what are we selling today? Refrigerators? And we, we were not anywhere even <laughs> close to the refrigerator space. Right. Um, but that was the joke because it was kind of like, how do, you, how do you even know what to sell mm -hmm. or what to offer people or what kind of value you want to build with your customers mm -hmm. if you don't even know where you're headed? Yeah. Right. Well, think about how much money you waste. You know, like think about how much like you have employees, like what are they doing all day? And, um, we, you know, I, and I've been in situations like that. I've, I've been in my own situations like that where I was trying to figure out, okay, what exactly should I be doing? And I'm scared to death to make a mistake. And so I get analysis paralysis, you know? Yep. And then, um, but then there are those times when I'm able to step back and say, okay, I'm going to take the time to figure out what I need to be doing and, yep. or the situation allows that, you know? And so, I feel like a lot of this leadership stuff is taking the taking taking the discipline to be able to stop when you need to stop instead of rushing when everybody else feels like you need to rush. Get out of the emotional um, current, I guess, mm -hmm. or the emotional maybe even undercurrent because like sucks you down. Yeah, and, the undertow, um, <laughs> the undertow, the emotional undertow, and say, okay, regardless of all this stuff, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to, mm -hmm. you know, um, one of the um, you know what do brands look like when they have no leadership? Uh, for me, it's um, it is some of that that complaining. It's people feeling like um, people you know who are who are focused and who 
uh, care, but seem to care about the right things. And they're not just trashing people, but they're frust- they're frustrated by people because they're it's going saying um, you can tell when the the leadership isn't convinced of their own strategy or their own goal. Yep. And you can tell when the leadership has maybe a uh, maybe they have a mission statement, but they the goal change the goal is a, is more of a weekly goal, and it's based on their emotion. Yeah. And so they're not led by discipline. Yeah. So 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 that can. That can be one of the signs, you know, people just feeling fresh, great people leaving a, what seems like a good company and then going to another company because and you ask them why and it's just like, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I think in, in each place I've worked and with each company I've worked with, there is always, um, you, you, that, let me think about this. Um, that is a problem. Right. It might be a small problem. It might be that actually there's good leadership and there's good communication of vision, but someone somewhere in the line is still confused. Right. Mm. Because it's a continual process. Mm-hmm. You can't assume that every person that jumps on the company, um, you know, that jumps in understands it. Right? right. Even if you've got a good onboarding process or you've got a good communication process from leadership. Or you have a or you onboarding have process. Because it doesn't yeah. sound like it's a good one if people. Yeah. Right. Or it could be better. Right. Okay. It could right. always be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe there's a group of people in the company who got left out of that process. Mm. You know, um, that that's just that happens. Mm. That's it's okay, but it it's something that you know, like, hey, let's keep working on that. Uh, but when people say, "I don't know where where we're going," mm. that's usually a really good sign that there's there's some there's some kind of weakness in the leadership area. Mm. Either there's not a clear communication of vision and direction and purpose. Or there just there just isn't one, <laughs> right? You know, it could just be that like leadership is just like, well, we've been doing this a long time, and we just want to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, In which case, you lack imagination. You're probably yep. going to be cutting costs, and that's fine if that's if that's your competency, cutting costs, and you decide that's going to be the direction you go. It's it's going to be a slow descent, but I yep. mean, you can, you know, you can still create value for people outside yep. of your company. You can still do that with love, I think, right? Yep. Because not everybody has imagination. Yeah, I think um, in the long run, though, it will cost you and you will have a group of people within your company and a group within your customers who is going to be demanding more imagination from you because at some level, a cost based model just won't get people out of bed in the morning. Well, you know, and then the, you, know, you have the additional problem of competition because yeah. immediately, like if you, if you yeah. start, if you go to sleep for, yep. you know, a year. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at like quote unquote great cost model brands. I think of Walmart typically mm-hmm. when I when I think of cost based business model brands. Sure, sure. They struggle to find what they are, don't they? Like their brand shifts I feel like every two to three years because they're constantly trying to find something else besides just cost savings mm. to keep them relevant. Live better. Live better is the translation of the cost. They're trying to translate that into something bigger than cost. So, like, what's right. what are they doing right now? Right now, they are trying to be the – they're trying to own this idea that they're bringing jobs back to the United States. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of jumping on the Trump bandwagon. Okay. <laughs> you know, and saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to chase this political movement that wants to bring jobs back and create employment in the manufacturing spaces in America. Mm-hmm. And – it's funny because that's not actually one of their core tenets as a company. 
I mean, if you look at like historically what is Walmart, they're like cheap crap from China. Yeah, I was let's, wondering. Let's be I was brutally honest. Right? I was wondering about that. It seems like it's off brand. Like, <laughs> hey, is. if you're McDonald's, just make cheap freaking hamburgers. Yeah, and keep that promise. Right? But because cheap, cheap hamburgers or cheap, you know, dining room tables or cheap produce doesn't capture people's imagination and it doesn't have sustainability and longevity. Right. So we're getting a little off topic, but yeah, no, no, that's, but we're talking about branding this. So that's good. Cause we're branding Arizona. All this stuff matters. Right. Do does, is Arizona Walmart? We have to be honest if we, you know, <laughs> um, cause I think there are a lot of people who think it is, uh, in some ways. So, uh, I, here, here's a counterpoint to Walmart. Okay. Another low cost, Fairly low cost model brand who I think actually does a better job at owning that and creating a model that's more inspirational and provides value beyond just the dollar would be Costco. Oh, I thought you see, I was reading, I was trying to read your mind. Yeah, I was thinking, like, where's he going? Where's he going? I was thinking, you target. know, uh, maybe, but I don't know that actually I'd put Target in the low cost category. They're affordable, yes. Mm. But they don't go for bottom dollar. Okay. Right? Their their products are not the absolute cheapest you can get. Like if you're like, I want the cheapest in this category, I'm gonna go to either Walmart or Amazon. Which is why those okay. two often get pigeoned together as as direct competitors. And Target okay. doesn't. Because Target actually chases design and and um, aesthetics a little bit more. And I think they've tried hard, especially in the last about five years to really build their brand more around aesthetic and bring in like they they've actually brought in some you know decent contracted designers to work on a lot of their apparel and their mm. and their um their house products um yeah maybe when you get into maybe the food stuff but i mean food's not really their leader they they don't lead with food right um i think there's a little bit of a loss leader there for them um but, I mean, if, if you watch their ads, they're very high fashion. Mm-hmm. And they've actually they've built a lot of notoriety in the last five years for creating, like, low-end high fashion. Right. <laughs> it's like affordable high fashion or making what was before a low-cost product line um, kind of brand image. Okay. Like Walmart. And instead using high fashion brand tactics with their advertising – in order to create a sense of like you can be fashionable without spending a lot. Okay. And so the emphasis is on being fashionable. Yes. Not on spending very little. Gotcha. It's included, but I, I don't know. I mean, the brand promise is different. It's a little different. I don't know. I just, I don't put them in the quite in the same category as Walmart. So we're getting a, um, yeah. Oh, so oh, thanks, Shauna. So <laughs> someone just asked, what are we talking about? Um, so we're talking about branding Arizona and trying to figure out what that means. Um, so the, <clears throat> yes. So what question are we on? What about when you don't use their brand strategy statements? When they don't use their brand strategy statements. So, um, I think, I think you see the same thing, right? I mean, these may be similar questions because I think you see the same thing. You see people who are, um, confused. Uh, what I see a lot of is people spend a lot of time and thinking and money on their brand. And then they go out and they just do best practices. Yeah. It's like, why Why do you want to do something just like everybody else when you have something special? And yep. you have you should have your own way to do it. But I think what happens is, like you and I both believe, <laughs> there are a lot of 
companies out there that will sell you the regular media plan that they just slap on any client because there's just not really a good understanding of research and understanding yeah. of like um I've heard you talk a lot about the um the uh <clears throat> the hero's journey right and mm-hmm. and really understanding what's that relationship that happens between a customer and a a brand and someone they're serving yep right and so um well and, and it comes back to risk taking too right mm. because being authentic to yourself understanding your customer like okay you got to do the research right mm-hmm. which really isn't hard it's just effort it's work right but it's not there's not a whole lot of like you got to jump off the cliff in order to do research but right. once the research ends and you formulate the plan and the plan calls for you to jump off the cliff yeah that's really hard. You got, but you got to jump off the cliff. But you, you have just decided to. that was the that's what the research because said, and, and that's what you that's where yes. you're leading. Yes, you know, that's what. Essentially, it's like you're saying, "Here's where we're going. Here's what we believe in: mission, vision, values." And then our goal is this, right? And then let's do the research and and just make sure everything fits together. Like we have the bones, so let's make sure the muscles and everything fit together, and the brain and the neurology and everything. Make sure all that fits together. But once that fits together, you can't just then say like, okay, we just created a sprinter, but ever right now the big thing is, you know, is um is long distance running. So we're gonna long distance run. No. <laughs> don't do that. Do what your re like be good at research and then do what your research yeah. said. I mean, all research isn't perfect, but and we'll talk a little bit about that because I have my own point of view, how I would tell students to tackle research. And I think it's just the best way, because We'll get to that. But, um, and so, and so the next question, let's see if there's any different. Um, what about when the strategy statements don't become a goal and process? Ooh, that's my favorite. Mm. Maybe you should, you should comment on this first. Okay. I will. Um, and, and I know that you'll have something to add, but, um, the, the idea is that, uh, I've been at a few places where, um, there was a lot of imagination at, at the top and then there were, there were not a whole lot of processes and I, I wasn't, mm. I never saw myself as a process guy, but I started realizing that we need logic, a, like a logical process that actually can imagine out and draw out what it means for these, this mission, vision and value values. And then the goals, what do they look like in the day to day? It seems yep. like there's this big gap between that and then how people act in the day to day. And I feel like that is part of the problem here yep. is that, strategy is that system of actions that you know you're supposed to take that will logically lead you to your goal yep it's only one definition of strategy but um and so and so what are if our goal is this for this year then therefore what are our objectives and if those objectives are our objectives then therefore what are our actions this month you know um there were this quarter then this month and then today right and so those things really can build down and i think a lot of people think marketing is this black box advertising is a black box because they don't understand how creativity works and so they're like oh that's not important let's just look at the numbers but leadership is encapsulated in the message and the 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 trust that we create with how we communicate the words we use are we conversational is it on brand you know and so it becomes especially challenging when they start talking about advertising communication and building relationships because now they're like i totally don't get it you know and and so let's look at the bottom dollar you know and let's find out like the what's the thing that's most immediately next to the bottom dollar and we'll measure that thing and we'll forget about how these awesome values we've created we'll we'll put that sprinter 
in the long distance run just because yep. we don't understand as a black box. Yep. Yeah, and you'll cost yourself in the long run, right? Because those short-term cost-minded or or bottom dollar, bottom line driven decisions mm-hmm. will sacrifice long-term relationships with your customers. Mm-hmm. You will say, you know what? In order to get one more buck out of these guys, I will do X. Right. And it will be shady or it'll be shifty or it'll be um, less than truthful. And you will sacrifice those relationships you have with customers. And on the on the flip side, on, internally, you'll do the same thing, right? Let's get one more hour out of our employees right. than we did before. Yes. And you'll say, well, how should we do that? Well, it doesn't matter because all that matters is getting the one extra hour. So let's crack the whip or let's disincentivize um, putting in shorter hours or – and, and ultimately, it's like you, you can drive one number at the cost of others, right? Mm. So you, quote, unquote, extended your billable hours or however you're measuring that. If it's, you know, hey, we need one more hour of manufacturing out of these people. But what you lose is not only morale, right? right. <laughs> people are frustrated. People start leaving. So you lose retention. But you also just lose inherent efficiency, right? Mm. It's proven that when you when you make people work longer hours without giving them a like a true like passionate why behind right. that, yeah. what do they do? They become less efficient with the more hours that you give them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's it's not about one metric or two metrics or five metrics. It's about the totality of the vision. Right. You know, those mm-hmm. metrics are important. They should, but they should drive into the vision. Yeah. Or flow from the vision. If you want to look at it from that, just that perspective. Right. But if you start with metrics only, what you end up with is just simply a deep dive, right? It's a spiral downwards. Right. Um, right. Into mediocrity. And, you, and I've always, I always believe this about when people say, oh, we're, we're, we're data driven. And I think I know what they mean. I think they mean well when they say that. Right. But they, what they could. It, I mean, you don't know. But what it's it like, becomes is right. data can only tell you a few things. It can, with absolute certainty, data can only tell you what happened. Right. Right. It cannot tell you what will happen. It can give you a probability. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can do some things with data to say, okay, well, if I change this, what outcome might I get? Right. right. But they're not guaranteed. And when you talk about data with people, and let's be honest, businesses are primarily people. Yeah. Um, it's it's people who run your business internally and who have the most impact on the decisions that are made on a day-to-day basis, and it's people that you sell to. So until you start selling to robots, who gives a crap? You're, you're selling to people. Right. So let's think about people first. Um, if, if, you are, if you're metric-driven, if that is how you make every decision is based on just purely a statistical data sheet, you will forget that people are very complex mm. and that adjusting one metric almost never doesn't touch like 18 other metrics. Right. Right. Yep. And so when you take a very metric driven approach to running your business, you can get some great short term outcomes, but you may find that because you don't have a value system, that you don't have a leadership, that you don't have an overarching strategy to drive what you're doing, Mm -hmm. that you will make some really, really poor long term decisions. Yeah. Because you're only looking at what the data can tell you that happened and what it can tell you in the near future. Mm. Because data cannot give you, at least not yet, cannot give you long-term 
outcomes or probabilities. And, and until we figure out human neurology to a, to a hard science, I mean, yep. until psychology yeah. is a super hard science, until we, they figure out some, somehow that we don't make our own choices, that we're predetermined to make this, you know, <laughs> um, and we can now understand what those decisions are and we can yep. look at every possible variable in your life. Like yep. the butterfly effect is now like an equation. Yep. Um, until that happens, the um, data is backward looking and we don't really understand it very well yet. And so there's this idea and it's really interesting. And um, so in um, we call we call it summary data. So statistics are, are technically their summary data, right? I mean, yep. you're not looking at each data point. No. Um, when you, when you're a CEO or something, right. Or you're a manager, or when you read an article about something, you're looking at summary data and there's all kinds of assumptions that are behind the summary data. Yes. So if someone says, um, oh, you know, um, always a favorite of mine is something about, oh, marriage among evangelicals or something like that. Um, they now have a higher, higher divorce, divorce rate or as high a divorce rate. And then you look at the data and you're like, oh, that's really interesting. So, um, you look at the data and you realize uh, that there are a lot of like confounding um, variables in there, and you start realizing that um, that a lot of those people don't actually go to church on Sunday, <laughs> like ever. <laughs> they just are like, oh yeah, yeah. You know. let's define the terms, right? Yeah. So when we say let's let's measure X, right? You have to know what X is. This the, and you have to have some. You got to state your presuppositions because there will always be presuppositions about what that data is is telling you right and and then you have like um a couple other ones i used to do this in class right i would teach you know try to like do this thing on on data and um one of the other ones is really interesting is like okay 20 percent of people um or no it was a 40 percent see now i'm gonna mess it up 40 40 <laughs> percent of people call in sick on on um monday or friday and you're like oh that means they were partying right because it's like monday <laughs> or friday and so um, and so that's, you know, HR problem now we have to solve, right? Well, if you do the math, you realize that I think, um, uh, two out of five is actually 40%, right? Hmm. Yeah. So, um, and so you realize that, no, that, that statistic literally every, you know, that's, that's like, no, that's no different than any other day. Yep. Right. And so even, even things like that trick us, if we don't really look at the data, if we're just looking at the article, Yep. And the conclusion that the writer, you know, has for us. And so it can be really difficult. The The antidote to that is by believing in something, hmm. having a, having a really good working hypothesis, a really good understanding of what you're about, because if you have that understanding of what you're about, then it doesn't matter what the data says. You're going to stick to your, you're going to stick to your guns, right? You're going to stick to your plan. And whenever you, whenever, so, so a recession will happen, mm-hmm. we're sticking to our plan. You know, you tell your employees, we're sticking to our plan. We're not going to panic and we're not going to just like, you know, throw everything out and then just try to go after the next month's numbers because now you're just like everybody else. You don't have any advantage. We're going to stick to our plan, right? No matter what happens. And now you become much more discerning when you're looking at data. You're not trying to gimmick. You're not trying to just get numbers up for the, for the month. You're trying to elevate in character instead. And what that does is everything you just said, what that does is it, it increases trust. And now when you're offering a, a product to people, they're like, oh, cool. Another product from these guys. I want to know about it because I trust them so much because mm. they're so rel- you know, they're, they're relevant to me. Right. So we have all these things, you yep. know, um, but, but we trust them, you yep. know, and, oh, they have a job opening. I want to work for them. 
I really want to work for them because I trust them, you know? And so anybody who's listening to this, I mean, think about like a brand that you'd love to work for, right? Mm -hmm. And you probably want to work for them not because they're a big, you know, corporation, but because something they do. And, and yeah, there's some people who are like, I want to work for a big corporation, but that's a, com that's commodity thinking. And what we're talking about is leadership and brand thinking. Yep. Right. Instead. Yeah. And I think about more like, what's the company that you want to like stick with? Right. What's the company you'd be friends with? What's the company mm. you'd want to like hang out with and go places with and like yep. have conversations with, yep. you know, and, and what, what kind of brand is going to make me better as a person if I go there, hmm. right? Like I want to be more disciplined. All right, I'm going to be, I'm going to follow this guy, this guy's podcast, right? It's the same thing. It's like Jocko Willink, right? He's a <laughs> podcaster and I listen to him and it's like, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, I wish I would have been a Navy SEAL or something, you know, <laughs> or like I like the idea of living hard, you know, hard life and being a, um, an art of manliness is another one, mm -hmm. you know, so, but, um, I'm going to follow that person because they, they're going to help me be more. They inspire me to be more who I want to be yep. in a certain area of my life. Right. Yep. And that's what brands do is they just, they just, they inspire us in a certain area and it becomes a beautiful relationship, yep. you know, because they lead. Yeah. Cause they're willing to lead and they're willing to, to show us, Hey, what does it look like when you lead through the fire? Even when things are bad, what does it look like? I mean, yep. those brands come out, man. And they're just like, you know, want to follow them. A lot of brands are copycats. A lot of brands, maybe now is, is worth talking as we, you know, get into Arizona. Um, the whole idea of these brands that are like, you know, they're very popular and all they do is they look at work, what culture is doing and they just try to like jump in front and yeah. be like, oh yeah, we're this too. Look at us. We're going to do this, like this daring commercial about whatever, you know, um, social cause or Walmart and we're like, oh, Trump's president. <laughs> like, like you said, I, don't I mean, that one feels ex like exactly what you're talking about. Now, I, you know, who knows what's going on in the boardroom or in the, right. with the marketing team and their ad agency. And maybe hopefully there's a, there's a larger conversation going on, but man, when I see it, it's just like you jumped on a bandwagon. Yeah. And for, I mean, I'm not even, I'm not even one of those people who hates Walmart. I'm just like, well, no. whatever. They're just like a commodity, right? I mean, I don't respect them as a brand, but I don't hate them or anything, yep. but it could be a good example if what you're saying is true, you know, of, you know, jumping in the front of the, you know, yep. whatever is going on, you know? And so, um, that is, that is not leadership. Hopefully yep. they're leading in another way you hope. But, um, a lot of these brands, like, um, I used to see them in, in college and on the other side of the spectrum, um, you know, show these commercials about, you know, these, because, uh, you know, in we study advertising, right? Yep. So uh, all these, you know, these uh, uh, highly, like, uh, you know, controversial ads and everybody's like, oh, isn't that beautiful? And I'm like, I don't get why it's beautiful. It just seems like they're trying to jump in front of what, you know, the certain part of the culture is going toward. Yep. And so um, no matter where it is, it's not leadership. It yep. might be effective, right? Uh, yeah. For a certain amount of time, as long as you don't get in that rut. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and I think there's a sense where knowing trends is good, right? Yeah. There's a there's a value to knowing what the culture around you and in particular your defined audience, who you are trying to build a tribe around, right? Your followers, what are they caring about? What are what are they saying? What are they talking about? What are the issues that they care about? Mm. That's good. It's good to listen. It's good to understand. But if you build your entire brand on a trend, you will be chasing trends forever. Well, it's going to be your competency. Yes. You're going to say, oh, this works, and then you're going to build to that, and then you're not going to know how to not do that yep. because you, you've – any talent that you had that was about originality, 
will have left. Yep. You know, within the year or two that you you start doing this, they'll see the direction. They'll say, oh, you know what, I can probably do something else somewhere else. And so they go somewhere else. And and I think that's how that happens. It's like a brain drain, yep. you know, and you think that, oh, we can just change. Well, you know what? Brands can't just change. No, no, they can't. You can't just, you know, I, I remember looking at one company that was in competition with a startup that I was doing. And I was looking at them and I was like, I know exactly who these guys are because they're bigger than us. They're all over LinkedIn. I can see who they, the types of jobs that they hire because I can see their whole, you know, staff on LinkedIn. And I know that they can't compete with us because they haven't done this for 10 years. They haven't done a brand refresh in 10 years. There's no way they can compete with us, you know, because they can't just change. Yep. They can't overnight just buy all this talent. It just doesn't work. We see that. We see sports teams try to do that, yep. right? Like you try to stack your team right before the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> you're into basketball, right? Yeah. Like, how does that work? I mean, yeah. This was an interesting work awesome? year. <laughs> it worked for Golden State. But you know what? Sorry, side tangent, because you got me thinking about basketball. Oh, uh, <laughs> right on. Okay. Um, we need a rabbit trail. So, we haven't had so one they, in like. They got totally blasted this year for going after Kevin Durant. And he got blasted too, right? Yeah. He jumped from a good team who was very competitive to probably the best team in the league, right? Arguably. Them or Cleveland, right? It's okay. one or the other of them. And already has superstar players on it. Stephen Curry, you know, wins MVP two years in a row. And he goes and joins these guys who had just won, I think, 73. They had 73 wins last year. And they lose in the finals to Cleveland. And it's this huge upset, right? They're, they they lose basically three games in a row and, and, and lose the entire finals um, in those three games. There's a lot of context there. But so they go after Kevin Durant, who's a superstar player. And they're like, why are you stacking your team? Like, that just seems odd. And yet what's interesting is that when you start digging into the details of Golden State, you start to uncover that they position themselves in such a way that they're probably the only team in the last 30, 40 years who even had an opportunity to stack themselves as deep as they are. Hmm. Because what they did is they first built a great feeder system. They they went out, most of these these their top five players before they got um, Kevin Durant, were all uh, not – they were good players coming out of the draft, but they weren't amazing. They were not superstars. Mm. They developed Stephen Curry into a superstar. They've developed their other four, you know, three or four guys into great, great players, probably all future Hall of Famers. And then because they did that early, they had enough salary cap left right. to okay. go after the superstar and right. build this amazingly epic superstar team. And they got a guy who would play in their system. Yes. see that So is, they didn't yeah. change their system. Right. They said, no, we're still going to play unselfish team basketball. We're going to pass like crazy. All we're doing is adding one more chess piece that fits with our set. But our culture is established and yep. it's not going to change. And it has yep. already leadership in it. Yep. Like, we're we're growing in the direction we said we were going to grow. Yep. In other words, right? Yep. So it's not about the short term, like let's stack our team. See, I was thinking of the Detroit Red Wings, which were a yeah. big favorite of mine, and they had one year where they just got like they're just like yeah, it's almost playoff time, so they got like all these um, guys who were free agents who were potentially about to retire. Some of them, oh, and I remember that. You remember it? And, I totally remember that. And they like, you know, and it was against the Colorado Avalanche and then they ended <laughs> yes, up losing because I, I was ticked because I'm like, I'm a Detroit fan, you know, Red Wings I was Oscar. so happy. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I did not. And as a Detroit Red Wings fan, I, I did not like Colorado. Uh, so 
Um, yeah. So I'm just like, I'm ashamed. Yeah. Which is another thing that is interesting about brands, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm identifying with this hockey team and now they're trying to buy a playoff, right? Yep. And so, so to me, that was like and it, cheap and shady. It works in the short term, right? Right. Think about- the, or, or it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, right? there's times when it doesn't, right? right? I think about um, it breaks locally, if you want to think about it, the 2000, oh my goodness, I should know this, 2001 Diamondbacks, right? That was the championship team. It's the mm. one time the Diamondbacks had ever, have ever won the World Series. It was a super stacked team, right? Mm. And they went out and bought all those guys. They paid great money for them. And you know what? Let's be honest. They did work pretty well as a team. They weren't like super dysfunctional like some super teams can be. Yep. Like the Yankees. <laughs> um, but guess what? It was one and done. They never went back. Mm. That team pretty much, for the most part, disbanded over the course of the next two years. So after there, that so there might be a, a momentum issue with trying to stack something or trying to like throw money at it yeah I which mean, is yeah you get you get the win right you can if you put enough money into it and you get the right the right things put together in that short term but it doesn't have longevity mm. and from a business standpoint you might yeah. just be like buying you might be buying numbers yep. it's kind of like we've i think we've talked about before um this whole idea of uh, with with creating a great brand with leadership, you you every single time you buy media, you yep. stay up there. You you don't you don't drop all the way back down to where you were before yep. because you have a great brand. So now more people get to experience you and they like you for what yep. you're supposed to be yep. like good at, what what they should like you for. Yep. And so it becomes this this upward, you know, you spend media money but you don't go all the way down. Spend, yep. You don't go all the way down. You know, each time you're gaining yep. because of your brand. And that's a brand thing. Because there are a lot of companies that have that they bought. Um, what's that uh, online coupon? Uh, Groupon. Groupon. Yeah. Yeah. So they bought Groupon and they and they they got a spike, lost money on each transaction. Some of them, unfortunately, yep. and they dropped all the way back down yep. to where they were. And sometimes even further because what it does is expose their deficiencies, right? Because because advertising in and of itself only does one thing, which is it amplifies whatever you have. Mm. And if what you have is not good, <laughs> if it's bad customer service, if it's bad quality, if it's uninspiring, if it's, you know, take your pick, pull down the checklist of all of the horrible things that brands can do, mm-hmm. check off the ones that you suck at, right. <laughs> and then amplify them, right? Right. So Groupon was a great example of that. Like there were actual stories of businesses going out of business because sometimes it was their model just wasn't ready, Right. right. They had so much, they gained so many new customers that it killed their business because they couldn't actually facilitate that many customers. Right. And so they weren't ready or like they had crappy customer service. And so when you tell a thousand people, (laughs) welcome to my brand. Right. And they all go, wow, this sucks. Your Yelp reviews, your Google reviews, the word of mouth from that experience is going to kill you. It's like meet my super sucky friend. I mean, you show up and everybody hates that friend. Yeah. And now everybody knows about your super sucky friend and how sucky he is, you know? Whereas if you would have left it alone, happens. if you would have left it alone, you know, nobody, like a couple of people would know, but yeah. you know, so you just spent all this money to introduce themselves to your sucky, everybody to your sucky friend. Yeah. And now they know. Yeah. And now your sucky friend is out of business. <laughs> I hate when my sucky friend is out of business. <laughs> Mixing metaphors, right? Yes, but who cares? That's Everybody awesome. Gets it, right? So, all right. So, um, 
as far as as far as Arizona, so the kind of the the final question before we get to principles is um, all this talk about brand and leadership. Why does that matter? We're talking about Arizona here. Yeah. So how does that apply to Arizona being a state? Yeah, and 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 not being something with like a king or mm-hmm. a leader. Yeah, we have a governor, but those change all the time, and yep. not even everybody is like stoked about every governor you have yep. in the state. You know, so yep. so how can you know who can decide all this stuff if there's no authority well is it you and me (laughs) i think we're gonna do it (laughs) uh yeah i think it's i think it's two-part right so there are natural leaders within our state i think you you just mentioned governor right okay um he and every other governor we've ever had is active right they are attempting to lead the state in different areas um, not everyone might agree with the direction they want to go. What about John McCain? Cause I have friends who are telling me like, yeah. Hey, you guys, what are you guys doing there? You guys need to get rid of John McCain. <laughs> like friends on Facebook are just yeah. like telling me this. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had a little faux pas last week that got him in some trouble, but I'm so unplugged from that. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. anyway I didn't mean uh, to interrupt, but he's probably in that mix too, right? From an external perspective, yeah. he, he's a, he's a face of Arizona. Um, he's not, but the thing is, is like Arizona as a, as an, entity as a as a brand is a lot of things right it's made up of a lot of different voices so i think there's leadership voices at the top from a political or a business or a community standpoint Um, i think those are probably the three big areas that you can identify and say there's leaders within those areas who either speak for arizona or have a great influence on what people's perception of arizona is yep um and who probably influence a lot of decisions within the state Okay. Um, but then I think you also have just like the rest of us <laughs> who have a voice, okay. right? At some level, we're a part of these community organizations. We're a part of these businesses. We're a part of the political process. Right. And so it's both. Um, and I think because Arizona is a state, right, it's, it cannot be just one thing. Even like a business, right? A business is, is – Yes, it's highly influenced by its leadership, but the culture of the rest of the business is really what defines it. You know, a leader can say one thing and say, this is what we are, this is what we are, this is what we are, and repeat it and, and communicate it and put a vision around it. And But it's interpreted constantly by the people. But it's interpreted by everyone, and yeah. ultimately it's the behaviors of the group mm-hmm. that creates the ultimate brand identity. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, yes, you need the, the kind of the, the preacher on the hill. Right. But you also have to have the boots on the ground that put it into action. And if there's a, if there's a difference in how they interpret it, then that's going to affect the brand. It's right. not going to be just whatever the, the leader says it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that all that much more so in a, in a state setting where we're trying to talk about what is the brand of Arizona, there's a lot of voices. Yeah. In that conversation, which is why I think it's going to take us a while yeah, <laughs> as we work sure. on this. <laughs> and it's, and we're fine with that. We are. are we? We're totally fine with that. And so, and so the, the, you know, the, the other thing to you, I want to add to that is that the, um, what's another thing you do? So like, so like with, um, with brands, what you can do, one, one super effective thing you can do, if you want to find out what's going on with the brand 
is you don't just interview the leadership. No. Like talk with like three people in leadership. Go to lunch, yep. you know, like find out what's going on. Look at the mission, vision, values. Get them to interpret those and tell you what they mean informally, right? Yep. And see what kind of, you know, what do you get? Like, cause that's, that's always like a buffet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then, uh, and and then, and then go and talk with people on the front lines. Yep. You know, talk with them and say, hey, you know, what are the what are the biggest, what are the coolest things about the brand? What are the issues? What's the yep. mission, vision, values mean to you? And if they look at you kind of like, eh, you know, they mean this. They're supposed to mean this. And then you're like, well, what do you mean they're supposed to? Mean? <laughs> you can tell I've had this conversation. That's a before, key word right, right yeah. there. Supposed so, to. Yeah. And then um and and then and then go to like you know people who are in the middle like middle managers and just say hey you know um ask them similar questions and then say hey we've heard this from a few people why do you think that is and yeah. those people are uh, both sophisticated enough to understand what's going on at the top and, and insightful and then also they understand what's going on at the bottom and they can kind of like tie some of those things in yeah. I've found and so there's a lot of a lot of a lot of things you can do just by looking and talking yep. and, and and trying to understand you know um, people who are frustrated. So we we actually you know there's a guy on the YesPHX uh, um, Facebook yeah, group, Facebook yeah. group, and um, and he was like, I wish we would have started in Colorado, hmm. and I. I don't want to hear start that. Start his business. Start Colorado. his business. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I didn't necessarily want to hear that, but. Um, we're going to find out why. a lot. I know. Yeah. I know. I want to know why. Especially who it's coming from, right? It's coming from a guy who like is pretty well known, you know? And, and so, um, and there's another guy who's like from, um, you know, the, the salted earth guy, you know, yep. um, you know, he's in there. He's just like, well, you know, here's the advantages of Phoenix or, um, you know, uh, Arizona for us. And he gave some really legit reasons. And so, um, you know, being able to just kind of listen and yep. hear it from a lot of different points of view and then talk with, um, talk with people who are frustrated. I've heard comments about, I've, I've heard knocks on the educational system yep. in Arizona and I've heard some awesome things about, you know, the fact that it's a, there's a lot of freedom uh, market wise, a little more libertarian, you know, and, and that can have some advantages. So being able to figure out, kind of put it all together. Yep. Oh, and I know I have a lot of tactical, you know, like tactical training, shooting, you know, um, uh, you know, community uh, I'm close to. So, so there's a lot of that as well. And so um, just being able to understand from all these different points of view, what makes Arizona a great state. And we're not necessarily trying to define everything, no. but, but just to be able to find some of those threads that are kind of going through, yep. right? Because we know that um, from, from being brand people, we know that we know that that can help us. It can strengthen some of those businesses and kind of help interpret some of those businesses, and maybe even give them give them a um, uh, they can give themselves through this conversation. We can all as a community kind of give them um, kind of a, a, a definition, a little bit more of a definition, and kind of a better, a stronger cornerstone um, by um, and thereby developing some of these leadership ideas that we're talking about right now. I think. Yeah. So that's my hope. Yeah, and I, I, I have that exact same hope. I also hope that as an outcome of, of what we want to do here and help find those threads, right? I like that. We're not trying to put all the corners and the sides on the box. We're just trying to find the threads that are running through it that are strong. Mm -hmm. um, and let, let, let them present themselves. Yeah, let them present themselves. Let, let them kind of rise to the surface as we talk to people, as we talk together, as we ask questions out in the community as we um, interpret what people are saying about what companies are doing here and what organizations are doing here and, and the leadership that we have in the state. Um, what I also hope is that there becomes a sense of like, 
oh, these are the threads in Arizona. Mm -hmm. These are the things that are common. So that someone who says, I wish I had started in Denver, actually started in Denver. (laughs) Right? Exactly. It's like, I don't want there to be a bunch of people in Arizona wishing they didn't live here. Right. Exactly. Who who wants that? Who wants to live anywhere where a bunch of people don't want to be there? Right, right, yeah. Like, don't come. Like, people should know. Like, I should come or I should not come. Yeah. Like, th- that should be our goal, right? It's yeah. part, part of part of this. And then to and and that's going to happen through the conversations we have. Yeah. Is going to happen as we develop our philosophy of Arizona yeah. through conversations like this and conversations we have at Starbucks or um uh or conversations we have at um you know in the in the in Facebook. Yeah. And I'm just looking at the comments here and. Smart Alec. I got a <laughs> smart Alec saying go avalanche. So. Yeah. Yeah. Go avalanche. Yeah. <laughs> the guy I used to play hockey with actually. Oh, I'm going to rub that one in for a while. <laughs> We're going to keep, we'll come back to that one. We will. All right. So I'm sure we will. Uh, so principles, um, we should probably wrap the principles up quickly. What yeah, do you think? We, we should. We've been at this we're at little while. an hour and four minutes on my, yeah. All right. So principles, um, uh, I'll, I'll list the first one. Do you want to do the second? Yep. So, uh, principles of leadership, um, clarity of focus, and that that en- encompasses for me that encompasses all strategy, mm-hmm. mission, vision, values. Uh, it encompasses um, goal, uh, short term, like year long goal, and then um, all all the the system of activities that that um, that get us down to that goal. Let me say that values might not be quite in that because we have another one down there that's even better yeah. for values. But but uh, clarity of focus, I'm thinking, kind yeah. of covers well, at least, at least the technical clarity things. of your values, right? Yeah. Um, it's yeah. kind of the communication of them. It might not be the actual values themselves. I think they're kind of bigger than that. But Okay. Love it. Um, yeah. So so A is, is more like the technical stuff, like yeah. clarity of focus. Like literally what are we doing? I like purpose. Okay. For me, that's a helpful word or vision. Um, like, what are we trying to achieve? Why are we here? Right. What gets us up every single morning from Monday through Friday and maybe weekends too, if you're that kind of company? And what keeps what keeps the engine running, right? Yeah. It's not just the dollars that flow through, but like why even step on the gas? Why is everybody coming to work every day yep. kind of thing? So, um, so purpose in the non-technical sense. So please don't get hung up if... You're yeah. saying, oh, purpose means this. No, we're just saying purpose, just kind of like the bigger, the big general, and the non-technical sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what's the next one? So the next one is service. Mm. I love this one, Chris. Mm. Um, I think you nailed it when you were listing all of these. Oh, thank you. I do like this one. Um, and service. I mean, this is just like so foundational, right? Like if you if you are in leadership, you must serve. Mm. You must provide service. You must empower your team. Empower the rest of your leadership team who can then empower your entire organization mm. to live out that clarity of focus. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then ultimately, like, you're you're providing service to your customers. Um, and I love when we get to talk about this with clients who are product-centric mm-hmm. where, yes, it's all about the product. But at the end of the day, the product is in and of itself a service to your customer. Yeah. Right? They're going to use it. If it's, it fills a need. And it's going to fill a need. Yeah. And and so this huge distinction that people make between services and products, it's really fun to kind of navigate that and kind of go, well, at the end of the day, all of us are making something. Mm-hmm. It's just whether it's tangible or intangible that right. makes a difference for, for whether you want to call it a product or call it a service. But all of the making that we're doing is in service 
to the customer. Yeah. Right? It's it's to enable them. It's to better their lives. It's to solve a problem that they have or, you know, pick which whichever nice, fun, feel-good statement right. that you want to unpack what it is that you're doing that helps people, but you're helping people. Right. You're serving. You're servicing them. You're, you're providing a service. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. You're filling a need. And there, you're filling a that, need. I like that, that jobs to be done um, uh, point of view from, uh, was it What Customers Want by Ulwick? Was he the first? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I, f- I feel like that's, uh, there was actually this one guy in Oregon and he was an adjunct instructor at the university. And, um, I remember hearing this bold statement that he made and he was like a punk rocker, you know, like he was literally <laughs> like the bassist for gang of four from that's the eighties. Awesome. Like, and, um, and, uh, he was, he, now he works for like Apple music or something like that. Of I don't course. know what he's doing right yeah. now, but anyway, um, he's like a kind of a super rock, like literally a rock star. Right. And he had a British accent, so it's like it's <laughs> like you can't get more punk rock than that. And no matter what he said, it was like it's like you're like that like that sounds stupid, but it's a British accent. Like <laughs> it has to be right, right? I mean yeah. and so anyway, no, but he is a pretty smart guy. Um and one of the things he said was, um, he said, you know, with clients, because he worked at an agency and he said he said, I don't work for you. Hmm. I work for your customers. Hmm. And since he had a British accent, it was okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the client was he like, "Oh, that. okay, yeah, it totally makes sense." Here. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so anyway, but I really liked what he said and the boldness with which he said that mm. because he was taking leadership and he was saying, "Hey, we're in service industry here." Kind of like what you're saying. He was saying, "We're product, service, whatever. It's about your customers, and if they understand the value that you're really providing, more people, more of them will buy, yep. and more of them will like you." And more of them will be less expensive for you to sell to um, with problems they have and things like that because they like you, yep. right? And so uh, I love the service thing. My my uh, the the last thing of the three. Yeah. So we had clarity of focus, uh, and and you said what did you say? Fo- and you said uh, not focus purpose. purpose. So you like the word purpose. I like well, that too. Yeah, I, I think it's clarity of focus, and then there's kind of well focus on what. And you listed some things, purpose, mission. um, I was like mission, vision, values, right? And I think that's all right. I love that. If you just want to add one more word to help people use purpose, if that's helpful. A summary word, purpose. Love it. So we talked about purpose. We talked about service and leadership. And then um, because we're both big servant leadership guys, right? I mean, I think you are, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if there is such a thing as another kind, right? As I look Uh, at it, I'm just- you have to put quotes around the word leadership if you want to do it a different way. Right, exactly, right? It's like, oh, I'm a CEO, therefore I'm a leader. It's kind of like, well, maybe you're like a leader. It's like saying every dictator is a leader. Right, well, right. Well, okay, in a sense. World leaders, yeah, right, okay, but gotcha. not the kind you want to actually stick around for. Yes, exactly, yeah. Nobody wants to follow you, but yeah. okay, you can call yourself a leader. Well, right. a few people want to follow you, but they right. won't want to follow you forever because eventually you'll probably kill them. Right. In fact, they won't be able to follow you yeah. forever. Um, so the good last old one, Stalin. He was good at that. He was really good at at, at taking his followers and and killing them. <laughs> Stalin. What a what an a hole. Am, yeah. am I allowed to say that on Facebook? We might have to change our uh, our content settings on iTunes. Okay. I don't um, know. They probably won't care about a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But yes, I agree. So, uh, so the last thing is love. Yeah. All right. So we talk about, you know, clarity of focus, um, purpose. 
thought about service, the last one is love. Love mm-hmm. is um, probably one of the most important things in leadership. Because if you're not loving people, you're you're trying to pretend you're loving people. Mm-hmm. And talk about work. That's and a good quote. What I notice, um, what I notice about, um, ah, thanks. So what I notice about, about, um, people who are trying to be leaders without loving people is they become climbers and they're more, they're more focused on the numbers they have Mm. and they're more, and they will break your company. You hire climbers and they will break your company. You will love them as they're breaking your company because they only care about what you think as the leader. And they're trying to impress people above them. And they're not trying to build teams below them. They're not trying to make people better around them. They're not loving people and they're not loving customers. But they can pretend, they can say the right things to the right people um, that makes them think that they, they're doing what you want them to do. How you sniff these people out is, um, you, know, you can tell when people aren't loving uh, other people is when you basically measure them by you know how well they're leading. How... And how do you do that? I mean, like, do are people around you growing? Are customers feeling more, you know, you might do a net promoter score or something like that. You know, um, you might talk to customer service people and find out, hey, how how are things going? And then try to track that back and find out what are we doing wrong that's not causing, why is leadership breaking at this person? Why are we trying to do the right things? But then there, there's this person somewhere in the system that is, the leadership and the love can't get passed because Mm -hmm. they don't know how to pass it along. They don't know how to turn. They don't know how to look at a brand and say, I'm inspired by you and I want to turn around. I want to help other people follow. They don't know how to do that because they don't love. Mm -hmm. They don't have that love. They don't love the, they don't love the brand. They don't love the, they don't love what you're doing for people because Mm -hmm. they don't love people. Right. That's so good. Thanks. And so for me, that's, that's like one of the biggest, that's one of the single biggest things because, um, and I, I'm a big free market guy and I, I believe, um, you know, I believe people should be able to buy and sell and, and I'm more of a libertarian probably, but I think the only way that works, in fact, the only way any of it works is it, it's best with love, right? It's best when you care about the problem you're solving, you care about the people you're solving it for. And I, I really don't think that people would be asking for any kind of, you know, communism or socialism or whatever. I don't think people would be asking for that if, um, if we, if businesses weren't like, we love our customers and we're going to show it and we're going to prove and we're going to live it out. Hmm. We know how to do that. And so that's my, that's my big challenge because I want, you know, I want people to be free. I want, (laughs) I don't want the, I don't want, you know, um, anybody to tell you how, how you have to make your decisions. And so that makes that. And so that's why love is so important. Hmm. Um, so, so what's our, what's our call to action? Um, so the call to action is, uh, we're going to do, if you're listening on the podcast, it's July yep. or later. And so we're, uh, what we'd like you to do is, uh, go into our, our Facebook and it'll be linked in the show notes and you can discuss there. And we, we'd love to hear, you know, your thinking on anything we've talked about. Right now, if you're on Facebook or anything like that, um, we'd love we'd love to have you. Um, we'd love to see a conversation surrounding this. And what we're going to do is uh, we'll check some of the comments um, between now. We're going to record our next show right now, um, the late July show. If you're on here, you're you're going to see that. Um, what we'd love for you to do is, uh, or what we're going to do is maybe look at some comments and um, you know drink some water, probably drink <laughs> some coffee, tacos, uh, have some tacos. Yes, yeah, we got to hurry. Oh. They're going to leave soon. Dang. All right, cool. So 
Um, <laughs> so that's a wrap. So, um, so please you know, discuss these things and then find a way to get your comments to us, probably through Facebook. And, um, and if you know us personally, please send your comments in. We'd love to hear them. Yeah. And if you're not already aware, our website is azbrandcast, B-R-A-N-D-C-A-S-T.com. And you can hit us both up on there if you want to leave a comment, if you want to send us an email. you got links to the Facebook group, Twitter, all the fun stuff that we're doing. Join our newsletter. That's right. It's a great way to stay in touch and kind of see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris, if you want to give your little sign-out plug. Do I have a sign-out plug? Or, or do like, we do that at the beginning? you going to plug something? I don't know. I don't, I don't want to plug any. I'm just going to say um, I love you guys mm. because that's what it's all about, right? Yep. So go out and show love. That's awesome. (laughs) And this is Mike from AZ Brandcast with Chris. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Good. That was good, dude.